Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's segment, we have a preview of USA versus Colombia, an international pair of friendlies. And we've got two special guests with us to preview these matches. Before we get into everything, a quick reminder to hit subscribe on YouTube for NWSL Extended Highlights, exclusive interviews, our live recaps, and so much more. YouTube.com slash Attacking Third. Subscribe. It helps us out big time here at A3. We want to welcome our first special guest, an Olympian and former Colombian forward co-founder of Kickoff Coffee, Melissa Ortiz. How are you doing today? Welcome to the show. Hi, Sandra. Hi, Lisa. Uh, thank you for the invite. So great to be with you both here. First time. This is my debut on the Attacking Third, uh, which, by the way, I really do appreciate all the work that you guys do because... Uh, I remember there's been different previews that I've that I've either worked for, you know, on TV or stuff, and I've listened to your guys' previews uh, on, you know, Spotify or wherever. But yeah, so thank you for all the work that you do in the women's game, and it's uh, it's an honor to be here. Oh my gosh, that was so Aww. sweet, Melissa. Thank <laughs> you. Was, we were like chatting off mic before, and this like caught me by surprise. A little thank bit, you. Right? So sweet. We are we are so pumped to have you on here. Um, I I like follow you on Instagram. I've drank your coffee before. I'm like all over this side of the the soccer side of the world and the broadcaster yeah. side of the world. And when uh, you said you would come on, I was so hyped. I texted Sandra. I was like, we got Melissa. Yeah. Like, let's go. Let's talk yeah. soccer. Let's talk Colombian soccer. So thanks for joining us. We are hyped to talk about this. And we've got a pair of friendlies. Like, heck yeah. Uh, this is great. It's always nice to do this because I feel like for a lot of us in the space, like so many of us are maybe like mutuals and like we follow each other's work. But then like you finally get the opportunity to like yeah. sit and work and collaborate with each other. It's always nice when that kind of comes comes to fruition. We're here together because we're combining our United States Women's National Team Hour with the fact that they're going up against uh, Colombia. So let's just hop into it. Uh, friendly preview of these two matches. The uh, the games will be taking place uh, on June 25th and June 28th. The first happening on Saturday, June 25th in Commerce City, Colorado. Uh, Dick Sporting Good Park, 5.30 p.m. local time. Uh, and then the other on Tuesday, June 28th in Sandy, Utah, Rio Tinto Stadium at 8 p.m. local time. These are the final games for the United States before they enter uh, 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup qualification during the CONCACAF W Championship, which will be taking place right after these friendlies beginning on July 4th through the 18th in Monterrey, Mexico. And Colombia is going to get a chance to go up against the heavy hitter ahead of their uh, Copa America. So 
a lot, uh, a lot on the line, I think, for these two teams in terms of their preparation uh, going into uh, these these friendlies against each other. But a little bit about uh, Colombia for people who are unaware. They're currently ranked 26th in the world, ranked number two in South America in the Colombia Bowl Federation behind Brazil. And these are also their final uh, friendlies to get in before their World Cup qualifiers. Copa America uh, is going to be taking place July 8th through the 30th, and Colombia is hosting as well. So uh, it's going to be three nations that directly qualify with two going to the playoff tournament and an intercontinental confederation playoff uh, for spots in the 2023 World Cup. So there's a lot of excitement, I think, for both sides of the ball here with, uh, with these two teams going head-to-head. They've got Bigger things, bigger bigger things in their sights uh, down the line in terms of what comes after these two friendly. So, Melissa, I'm going to throw it to you because because you're our <laughs> guest here, and we're going to just start chatting a little bit about this. But this, it almost I want to ask you maybe. It sort of feels like I think on on paper when folks maybe look at the record between these two sides, they don't think of of a rivalry between mm-hmm. Colombia and between the United States just because it's uh, the U.S. kind of holds uh, the record there with with more wins. But this is going to be the ninth and tenth time that these two teams have played uh, each other in their respective programs histories. But not only that, it there's there's some. You know, there's a recent uh, a rivalry, I think, in my head, because it's like there's been some familiarity with these teams in probably closer to the last decade or so, where there's been more opportunities for the two of them to, to go head to head. And I, I have to throw it to you first, because within this record, it's a seven zero and one record. And that means that there was a draw between these two teams and it was during the 2016 Olympics. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that. Talk to us about uh, the mindset of a player, you know, on, on Colombia going up against the United States women's national team. Yeah, it's a wonderful question. I think for any player, if you're from Colombia, Mexico, even a European nation, to go up against the U.S. is it's like a moment in your in your career that you always kind of dreamed about. Um, so for instance, like in my experience, when I finally got the opportunity to play my first time against the U S it was in the 2012 Olympics. Um, I I came off the bench and I was just like, it was almost a dream come true to just touch the pitch amongst like all of these superstars that you've always watched your entire life. Right. So in terms of just the, the, the experience in itself, um, it's, it's, it's an incredible feeling now it hits reality when you're like, Oh crap. Like I got to play good. Cause this is my rival. <laughs> like my, these are my, my idols, you yeah. know, or, or people or, or women that I've looked up to for so long in the footballing world, but Holy crap, I got to flip the switch and I got to play. Cause I I'm playing to win, you know, like any athlete, you play a win. Uh, you go into tackles hard, you give it your all. And you obviously know that you're going against the, the, the best team in the world. But, um, at the end of the day, you're representing your country and you're representing yourself and what you do on the pitch. So you kind of forget about all of that at the same time while you're in motion. Um, but for us and for Colombia, it's been a lot about maturity. Um, yeah. I, I, I got into the national team uh, in 2008, 2009. And the first time we played against the U.S., I will never forget how nervous we were, like completely nervous um, and just didn't know yes we know what to expect but like it's it's 
it, it doesn't hit you until you're on the pitch, like I mentioned. Um, then it's just full on because everyone's so fast, so athletic. And yes, we we are also very good, despite the results of of, of seven zero and one against the U.S. Um, but with maturity, as I mentioned, over the past years, it's been more about cool how from each game playing against the top nation in the world, can we build off of it? Um, can we gain more confidence from each time we go against the U.S. Women's National Team? Yeah, we might lose some games 3-0. Yeah, there have been times where we have lost, I think, 6-0s in friendlies. Um, in times where, yeah, we were switching rotations and everything, but it's all been a learning experience for us. And I think most importantly, not just for the players, but for the Federation as well. Because mm-hmm. the Federation gets to see how does U.S. soccer do these friendlies how do they treat their players how you know how does it work in the u.s and how you know women's equality and how soccer is uh in terms of supporting the women's side so for me it's more like okay cool that's one thing let's focus on our women's team and 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 learn and get a result but the other thing is we gotta we gotta teach our federation in colombia how to do things (laughs) yeah that's so true it's so interesting to think about how much um the players can learn playing against right like idols or superstars i loved hearing you talk about that um but then also for the federations to learn and for colombia to come to america and play in these facilities and sold out stadiums with u.s fans cheering it's definitely a bit of a like a change for them and for the U.S., they're used to that, being at home and doing that. Um, so when they travel and for the CONCACAF W Championship, going to Mexico and playing those games in uh, packed stadiums not full of Americans, yeah. it's a bit of a shock to them. It's like a, a, almost that learning curve. Um, it, Melissa, you mentioned how it was – it was nerve wracking the first time, but it's having that maturity and that growth and that experience every single time you play a, a different nation or a different federation. And um, based on the record, 7-0-1, these teams have faced each other recently. However, most recently, the U.S. Uh, hosted Colombia right after the pandemic in January 2021 in Orlando, Florida. There was a pair of friendlies there. Um, the U.S. Uh, won out on both of those friendlies, but it's almost a year and a half later, not even, and it, the same teams are playing at each other again. Now, they're both friendly, so the competition and the excitement isn't necessarily there as it would be in an Olympic game or a World Cup qualifying game, but Having Colombia and the United States play each other so close back to back with the two friendlies in January of 2021 and now again in June of 2022, is there a familiarity for the Colombians to say uh, this is the team we're going against and and we just did this like we just played them a year and a half ago like now you have more familiarity going into it uh, for this upcoming pair of friendlies? Yeah, I think there definitely is a familiarity that you mentioned, although I think both teams have had some some major changes, uh, a lot of young youth players. So it will be another moment for these youth players to perhaps share that that nerve wracking feeling of <laughs> their system before going to play a, a big tournament. Um, but I do. Well, two things I want to touch upon is one, the rivalry and two, the last um, match days that the U.S. and Colombia played off against. We'll start with the rivalry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's let's not forget um, in the Olympics was it, it was 2012. I think the rivalry started when <laughs> Lady Andrade, one of my former teammates, punched yeah sucker yep. punch Abby Wambach <laughs> in the face, uh, which because they were going at it all game. Yeah. You, know, she, you know, Abby was was elbowing Lady and, and yada 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 and back and forth. And 
I mean, <laughs> that was a crazy moment uh, to happen, especially on the world stage. So I think that's what 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 created this rivalry because yeah. I believe soon after that um, there was a friendly or, or there was I think the next cycle there was a World Cup where we faced off against the USA again and it, there was that rivalry yeah. um, and I remember I mean some of these players that played in in, in the pro leagues took it to heart uh, with some of my teammates and they're like yeah your teammate punched my teammate you know <laughs> uh, so that's where the, the rivalry kind of started. Yeah. Um, Although, you know, U.S. is obviously the, the favor to win, um, there's always still going to be that, 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 that thing there, you know, especially yeah. the veterans. The veterans. Uh, now, in terms of the last match day in two, early 2021, that was coming right off the pandemic. You said, like, yeah. the, the timeout completely, no, no camps, yeah. nothing. And my teammates uh, on the Columbia national team arrived to Orlando, I believe it was. And uh, I think like six or eight of them tested positive at that point, like day of the game. And so it was a, it was a, it was a big mess internally um, on, you know, who starts the changes, tactics, everything. So, I mean, it's the learning curve. I think that a, a lot of these teams have gone through because of COVID and because of the pandemic, which brings us to where we are today of having a versatile squad and mm -hmm. you know bringing in youth players to see okay you know if this is what happened a year ago how can we learn from this and you know really utilize not only our veterans but new players in so that we can keep on growing um our national team and, and for what's to come in this in this upcoming generation you know I'm, I'm with you on that i like hearing about um sort of framing it that way in terms of the, the new faces because that's something that kind of caught my attention as well. Like, yes, we're talking about going up. Uh, there's two teams that are going head to head that just face each other in, in 2021. But even from, from January, 2021 to now uh, there's been, there's, you can actually kind of argue that there's going to be, there's new faces rotated in on both sides of, of yeah. the picture. Um, you know, a huge player that's not going to be available for the U.S. side of things that went up against Colombia in January 2021 was, was Sam Mewis and Crystal Dunn. These are two players who had like key roles in those games back then that are unavailable and we not saw part of these friendlies. Kat Macario get her, made her and debut for the U.S., it. scored her first goal. There's The list is incredibly long of U.S. players. Sam U.S., Carly Lloyd, yes. Lynn Williams, Julie Yurtz, Doll Camper, Crystal Dunn, Macario, Krieger, Harris. They were all on that roster. Not, not going to be part of this, this round of friendlies. So I just, like, I'm very curious to sort of see what the dynamic is going to be on the pitch between these, because yeah. even though there is maybe that recent familiarity for folks who are watching as an audience or fans or pundits or whoever um that maybe might not be the case between players on on the pitch so i'm excited to maybe uh see see that kind of uh play out uh, a little bit mtv's official challenge podcast is back for another season and so are we i'm tori deal and i'm anisa ferreira the wait is over guys all stars four is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. 
When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. Let's let, let's maybe with that let's let's try to get into to the rosters right now uh, for 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 Colombia going into into this game. When we're looking at this this roster in, in front of us, this the 2022 version of this this rivalry now the new next chapter uh, for you, Melissa. What are, what are some players to watch? You know, maybe some players that you think that that audiences should perhaps keep an eye on uh, on the pitch between these two friendlies. Like uh, like a true Colombian form, uh, our midfield is usually our strongest. Um, you know, it goes back even to the men's side where, you know, back in the day, El Pibe was, was the 10, the creative player, where similarly, I think part of our culture and our tactic, uh, we we share that similarity uh, in, in our play. Our key player is Catalina Uzme, who is a veteran player, a uh, good friend of mine. And right now she plays for America um, in Cali in the Colombian Women's Pro League. Surprisingly, she's one of the top players who actually hasn't played overseas. She wanted to stay in Colombia and help be part of the the Colombian Pro League and and, and be a major uh, part of it. And so what she can provide is just, one, leadership. Uh, Two, she's super technical. She's a lefty, but also incredible with her right foot. So she uses both feet, uh, able to switch the point of attack very easily. Um, Her shots are wicked. This is the player that during the 2016 Olympics against the U.S. Women's National Team uh, scored the the two goals against Hope Solo when Hope Solo, one fumbled one of the free kicks in between her legs, and the other one was a gol olimpico, which is a Mm -hmm. corner kick. So this was that player. And, you know, I I understand that those were goalkeeping mistakes, but uh, this is how she is, though, even from outside the box. She's able to whip shots uh, from, from far so Catalina Uzme is definitely one of the key players to watch out for in the midfield. Uh, another one is Lacey Santos, who plays for Atletico de Madrid. And she also in the midfield, but she'll also be able to provide uh, a more quick and uh, attacking style of play. While as Uzme, yeah, she's, she's, she's able to be creative and, and hold the ball with, with her strength. Lacey is more of the quick, quicker player, um, yeah. able to distribute quickly, get involved in the attack with, with the nine. Um, the Lacey Santos is, is, is definitely one of the most, I guess, the, the top figure on, on the team for sure uh, at the moment. Um, in the midfield, we also have Daniela Montoya, who's a veteran. Um, she sits back a little bit more defensively. Liana Salazar, also a midfielder. Now, I think um, the one striker to really look out for, and she's our, our promise, is Linda Caicedo. Um, you'll see her. She's, she's, she's petite, but fast up up top um she's i believe she must be at this point 18 years old she's very young but she has been making strides in the colombian women's league uh one of the top goal scorers alongside catalina Uzme. and i unfortunately i had already retired before being able to play with linda but from what i hear from my friends and my teammates playing with linda is, is incredible i mean she has so much future so they'll definitely be putting her into the rotation uh, lastly, I think in terms of uh, goalkeeping, it will be 
probably up to Sandra Sepulveda, mm-hmm. who's usually our our most capped goalkeeper uh, who we've seen in World Cups and Olympics. It'll be either her or Catalina Perez, who played in the last, uh, I believe she played in the last friendlies, but she's also been uh, one of the top goalies. I, she she was in and out of injury over the past year or two, but I think towards the end of her her campaign in the last Spanish league, uh, she started playing again. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting, though, just like the U.S. There's a lot of changes. There's a lot of new faces. There's a lot of youth players, even players that are still playing in youth club that have been called up. Uh, two Colombian-Americans, uh, similar to myself, uh, one that is playing in the second division in Spain and has been in and out of the Colombian national team over the past year or two. And then another one who is, is still in the club level, but just signed uh, to start in, I think, this August for Arizona. So she's young. Yeah, name drop them. Name drop them, Melissa. Whoa, wait, wait, wait. I got it. It's Alexa. Alexa is the one that's playing in Spain. Yes. Bauer, she's playing in Spain for Racing de and Santander. And Angela. then Angela Baron, um, and she plays for Kick Soccer Club uh, in the USA, a youth soccer club. But it's going to be an incredible experience for her to be so young. And uh, whether she plays or not, I mean, wow, this this for her is going to be a, a moment in her career that she'll always remember. Um, especially getting in early. This is this is a fantastic way to develop players. But we could touch more on, on what this friendly means too for, for Colombia, which is crazy to, to, in my opinion, to schedule against the U.S. before the Copa America. Yeah. <laughs> so before we get into that, um, I love all these names that you mentioned. And, and thanks for running through all of those, especially the Colombian Americans, giving them a shout out. There's a lot of young names, right? A lot of young talent on this Colombian roster. So to give them this type of experience going up against the United States and in the United States playing these friendlies, that's huge. And that helps shape them. Um, But there's a lot of names missing on this roster that um, a lot of fans are surprised about as myself when this roster came out, I was definitely surprised about that. So let's talk about some of the names that aren't on this roster, uh, because it's been a topic of conversation and transition in the United States. States going from the veterans and and their leadership to this newer, younger generation. But with Columbia, um, Melissa, for you, which are the biggest names that are not on this roster? Definitely the, the top two names is one, Natalia Gaitan, who has been the captain in and out uh, for since 2005, I believe. Uh, she was, or, or, or later, she was 15 years old when she joined the national team. And, and she has always been the leader, even during my time. Um, and she was one of the captains for Sevilla over the past year and has been at Sevilla. Before that, she was five years at Valencia. Um, she's the type of player that should be on the squad. Ask me why? I don't know. Um, the other one is Isabella Cheverri, who was also a captain at Sevilla. Uh, right now is not uh, renewing her contract. Right now is in, in trying to, well, they're negotiating to see what team she'll be going to uh, and what league. But this is another player who has played in the World Cup, in the Olympics, uh, played in here in the U.S. at the university level, and then went off to Spain to play professionally. That's surprising. And I say this to all of you that are listening, that it's surprising because the press keeps on putting it on Twitter as well in Colombia. You know, where are these two players? Actually, there's two more that are missing. Uh, one is Yoreli Rincon, who plays for Sampdoria in Italy. And she also has been a veteran for very many years. And... Uh, <sighs> I feel like there's a lot of political reasons behind this and why Mm -hmm. these players aren't being called up. I don't think they can, 
I don't think the staff of the Federation is able to supply an actual legitimate response as to why they're not being called to play in these friendlies in preparation for the Copa America, our World Cup qualifying tournament. And then lastly, uh, Vanessa Cordova's uh, goalkeeper played in Mexico in this last season. Very good. Um, yeah, she definitely should be on the roster as well. But again, like we also have good goalkeepers. So it's it's like in any camp in making any roster, it's always going to be a challenge. The competition is always is, is tough. But yeah, these players are, are surprising, especially, especially Gaitan, Echeverri, yeah. and, and Rincón. Well, so what is the press saying in Colombia for those that aren't uh, keyed in on that on Twitter? They just keep saying, oh, why aren't these players playing? Mm-hmm. And they keep saying what is in Spanish, vetadas, so vetadas, which in English, uh, we're trying to figure out their translation for <laughs> the show, but it's something like, I don't know if it's like, uh, not not banned. It's like time out. Uh, yeah, I guess they're on, yeah, on, on punishment, maybe yeah. like we were like, Melissa and I were like, how would we like translate this into English? But I, I guess maybe like, perhaps we thought maybe yeah. like on punishment, it could be like, mm-hmm kind of something like that and it's unfortunate you know I, I I just I think um you have to bring attention to that because of the type of games that these are you know and it's on the one hand it's like oh it's it's a pair of friendlies during a June international window sure but it's a pair of games against for at least for Colombia side of things it's a pair of games against the number one ranked team in the world so that's a huge opportunity right there and then number two it's it's a pair of friendlies before the next the qualification it's the Copa America it's it's huge uh so it's like you have to bring attention to this so I don't you know I you have to give credit here to to those in the media in Colombia who are trying to bring this up or or talk about it a little bit because it's it should be something that people are taking notice of and especially when you're talking about the caliber of players like you're making note of Melissa the fact that it is somebody like Gaiton who's been a part of this squad for a very long time for perhaps I think for a lot of people maybe the face at one point um Mm -hmm. and to not sort of have that leadership and that experience and talent quite frankly um as part of these types of games or going into Copa America it's at Putting it politely, it's curious. It's quite curious, I guess is the polite way uh, to put it. So I, uh, I, it's unfortunate to sort of imagine that these type of players are perhaps being, you know, on punishment still, I guess is the English way we're putting it. Um, and uh, I would hope that in something like a Copa America or past that, you know, it, you know, you punch say Colombia punches their ticket to the World Cup that you start the, these players can start being integrated back yeah. into back into the program and back yeah. into the system. And and you mentioned punishment and I imagine a lot of listeners are like, well punishment for what? Well um this is this is speculation because we can never say why they're not being called up. Is it because of the you know changing up the roster? Is it because of passing the torch from veterans to the youth? Who knows? But you know it's a little bit uh obvious in a way that in 2019 when we spoke up against the federation um these were key players in the movement against the federation that literally swept swept them off their feet uh and 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 exposed the truth to many wrongdoings that they had been doing for many years and it could be that now you know we fast forward just a few years later that they could be potentially paying the price for it you know and again this is speculating but this happens in many federations, and we look at Mexico with Charlene Corral, uh, who is obviously yeah. the top goal scorer of all Mexican league right now, and she's not yeah. getting called up to the national team. So 
uh, there's a lot of political ties that go on, unfortunately. And I just feel terribly, terribly sad for my teammates that are not able to be part of such a monumental moment of hosting a Copa America at home in Colombia after so many, I mean, decade of being on the team. But yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a, a conversation that probably needs to be had at a higher level and if it ever happens i hope it does but yeah it is it is kind of what it is so yeah Yeah. and just thinking like in the lens of this game too i know for it's we're talking about like players getting the opportunity to go up against the united states but there's also an opportunity here to be seen you know there's an there's an opportunity here for to be looked at by by large audiences in in you know in the united states and with that comes you know, potential opportunities for, for new highlights in their, in their reels for, for scouting potential, you know, there's all these other things that come with facing the United States women's national team. If you're coming from another federation into the United States, playing up against this team. And uh, when you sort of couple all those things together with the fact that we're talking about that there are certain big players who are not going to be part of this roster, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's sort of a, it could be detrimental, I think, for them, for, for their careers. And it's it's unfortunate to sort of, uh, you know, that we're still talking about this in oh, 2022. You know, it's uh, it's, it's baffling for, for me. So I appreciate you sort of uh, talking with us, talking us through it <laughs> right now, yeah. because it's 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 probably uncomfortable for some people to know that, you know, for, for our listeners who are, we talk a lot about the United mm-hmm. States national team and we're talking about things like, you know, equality and pay and like a new contract yeah. and things like that. Those are things that we're celebrating on attacking third. And then it's like, Oh, here's an episode where, where it's like, actually there's some things that are still going on in other federations. Yeah. And other teams. So thank you for sort of talking with us and talking uh, through this. So let me ask you this then. Maybe it's unfair to do this, but you're I want to I want to bring it up anyway. Well, the last time these two teams played, uh, there were heavier scorelines. They went from a four zero to a six zero. Uh, Sepulveda had a big game, stopping a lot of things. I know people are like four zero. That's a huge scoreline, but it actually could have been um, yeah. could have been worse. Believe it or not, I you know it's you, you, I'm thinking back to that to that game where she came up with a ton uh, of saves. It's, yes, Samuel's got a you know, a hat trick and, and stuff like that. But, you know, facing 22 shots, 11 on target and separately that was there. It's hard to imagine that could have, you know, been a much higher scoreline. So um, I want to ask if you, with the team being in camp, do you think that we're going to see similar scorelines? Do you think maybe we might see something more narrow? What's, what's your opinion or what's your take on this team? Put me on the spot on this one. (laughs) I, you know, there's so many change ups, um, especially on the women's, U.S. women's national team yeah. side, uh, that it will be, I think it will start out as a more level-headed game, um, but I think that this will be a bigger learning curve for, for the U.S. and I mean, sorry, for Colombia uh, and all of the new players on the Colombian squad. And to go up against the number one team in the world just speaks of itself. And you know, I'll, I, I will obviously be rooting 100% for Colombia because that's 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 me. Um, but I, I know that it will be an incredible challenge uh, to keep the the score card in zero. You know, to keep the, yeah. the net in zero in Spanish, el gol el, el arco en cero, the goal in, in zero. So it'll be an incredible challenge, especially with players that are, have had an incredible season so far in the NWSL and 
and even in Europe on the U.S. women's national team. I mean, they go when you play the U.S. You know, they go full out. You know, it's like a, it's like a one-way road, a highway, and you're really running and defending for your life. Um, which brings me to the question: Why schedule a, a game like this against the U.S. women's national team in preparation for Copa America when you know the only really bigger uh, somewhat similar but not similar nation that they'll face off against at potentially at some point is brazil um Mm -hmm. but apart from that i would i would have expected uh, an opponent to be scheduled that would be similar to the way that other south american nations play whether it would be to schedule a game against costa rica or mexico or who you know um so it's surprising me this this type of friendly, but again, every friendly is a learning opportunity, and I think the the score line, yeah, U.S. will be expected to score, but don't sleep on Colombia. Um, right. Many people, many people have slept on Colombia in the past, and I know our record against the U.S. women's national team isn't exactly in favor with zero, seven zero and one, but you know they slept on us in yeah. the Olympics, and we ended up tying. Yeah. Uh, they slept on us during the World Cup in 2015, and we ended up beating France, who were potentially the top team in the world at that time. So, yeah, yeah uh, don't sleep on us. Don't sleep yep. on Colombia. You uh, heard it here. Life. Don't sleep on Colombia. I love that. <laughs> no, I love that too. Especially like in big moments like this, you come out mm-hmm. and you come out and you come ready to play um, in these yeah. types of games. And I love that Colombia is that kind of kind of team. They bring it when when the stage gets really bright. They're not intimidated by that, and that's one of the, that's one of always my, my biggest things that I love about about watching um, this team. So I'm very excited to sort of see these two friendlies and how they go. Uh, but before we dip out, um, I've been drinking my beverages as always during attacking third and my mug here. I got to ask you about uh, drinking kickoff a coffee. Are you going to be drinking any during these games? And uh, let 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 our audiences know where they can get some kickoff coffee of their own. Absolutely. I'll actually be on the broadcast uh, as analyst during this match uh, out of LA on Fox. So maybe I'll just have this mug there. (laughs) (laughs) Football and coffee on it. Uh, But yeah, this is Kickoff Coffee Co., uh, a coffee brand that I co-founded about a year and a half ago. And it's coffee around soccer. So it's like the two things that everybody loves, especially those that are listening, most likely. Um, But yeah, you could find us on www.kickoffcoffeeco.com on Instagram, Kickoff Coffee Co. Essentially, we bridge the two cultures of coffee and football or coffee and soccer together using top quality uh, specialty grade coffee, uh, whether it's ground or whole beans shipped directly to your door. Uh, And then the most beautiful part about it is that we donate 10% of our coffee profits to soccer foundations around the world that use soccer as a tool for social development. So uh, we have uh, quite a few offerings in terms of coffee bags. So make sure you, you check us out and um, would love for you guys to to also try our our incredible coffee. I have it right here. I'm drinking. Um, yeah, well, our latest. what's your favorite? What's your favorite one that you guys oh, grow? Man. So we have one that the, we have the Colombian coffee, which is mm-hmm. delicious. But surprisingly, I'm obsessed with our Peruvian single origin one, which is called Match Day. Do I have the bag here? Yeah, and the all the drawings are pretty sick. So this is the drawing of the bag. So it's like a father figure or mentor. Uh, walking a little girl or daughter into a stadium. So it's all, all these like imageries. It's very inspiring. Uh, we mm-hmm. just did a collaboration with common goal as well. Um, and we're donating a, the 10% to the anti-racist project. And it's, it's just, it's a, it's a dream come true to have a coffee brand that's around soccer that has a give back portion. I feel it's just like three passions all combined in one 
incredibly delicious cup of coffee. <laughs> I love oh, it. I love that. That is amazing. Okay, fine. I'm a it. coffee obsessive person. I love coffee. So I've got to ask, how do you brew your coffee? Are you a French press, drip coffee? What do you do? Yeah, so this one that I that I brewed this morning was a French press. Um, I, I like to switch it up. You know, I, I do a pour over sometimes if I have a little mm-hmm. bit more time. Um, this French press is just like easy, you know, use a scale, set the timer or whatever. Um, but cause it's summer, I loved brewing my own, uh, cold brew at home. Yes. So I'll brew, I'll, I mean, I'll grind a bunch of beans and just put it in this gallon, uh, mason jar that I have. And then obviously pour the water in there and let it brew for 24 hours. I've really been loving the cold brew this summer, um, which we're like looking to try to develop some type of cold brew offering, uh, at home, cold oh, brew cool. something kit at some point, but yeah, it takes a lot of time, obviously, like any startup, uh, we have some really cool investors, uh, not investors, sorry, advisors in- involved looking for investors at some point. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's really been such a an incredible experience becoming like this entrepreneur alongside my co-founders who is my brother and his wife. Uh, we've bootstrapped this, put our, put in our savings in this baby and we've uh, gone with it and, and dancing away. So hopefully it'll bring us to some cool soccer coffee vibes in the future. Oh, I love that. So kickoffcoffeeco.com, get yourself a cup. Yeah, everybody, go ahead and get yourself a cup. Get ready to watch Colombia as they face off against the United States. Melissa, thank you so much for joining us and chatting all things Colombian soccer. Thank you so much to our listeners. Follow us on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram at Attacking Third. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to your podcast shows. We're also available as video. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Visit youtube.com slash Attacking Third. If you have questions for us, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with your question, and we'll answer it during the mailbag segment. And we'll be back with the USA preview of the United States International Team Friendly versus Colombia for Sandra Herrera, Lisa Roman, and Melissa Ortiz. This was Attacking Third.